The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. So on today's podcast, we'd like to talk about some recent innovations, or I would say some new things that are happening in the area of machine learning, which, as you may know, is a, one of the cornerstones to making artificial intelligence work. It's not all of artificial intelligence is not machine learning. There's certainly other parts of AI that are not machine learning that have to do with reasoning and action and all sorts of stuff. But what's powering this wave of AI innovation is these advancements around machine learning, which is basically the use of data and advanced algorithms to be able to learn from experience and then create some representation of that learning in the form of a machine learning model that it can then apply to data it's never seen before and make predictions with some relative accuracy. For example, recognizing cats or hot dogs or words or any of the things that we were able to train machine learning systems to do. And this idea actually came up at one of our trainings. And for our listeners that don't know, Cognolytica runs various trainings and we have one on how to successfully run project management for AI called CPM AI. And we go through that methodology. And so, and if you'd like to learn more, you can go to cognolytica.com slash training. And actually at one of our training sessions, the ideas around one-shot learning and semi-supervised learning came up. So we thought that we'd first start this podcast by going through the three traditional learning approaches for machine learning, which is supervised, unsupervised, and reinforcement. Mm -hmm. And then we'll dig into these new concepts. Yes. So the idea is that you can think of three different ways that humans learn. And so therefore, we can use those three different ways to give machines a way to learn. So one of those is this idea of supervised learning, where if I give you lots of examples of something, for example, pictures of cats. Which is our favorite example. Yeah, together. <laughs> people always give that could be hot dogs, it could be anything. And you want to basically train the system to be able to recognize that this is a hot dog or not a hot dog. If you give it enough examples using different kinds of algorithms, but the most popular algorithm that works very well for image recognition tasks, which is what this might be a class of actually specifically is a binary classification task where you want to say, is this a hot dog or is it not a hot dog? And I'm going to use images as a way of doing it. You could train a deep learning neural net, specifically a convolutional neural net, a very sophisticated type. But if you have enough data, you can train the system to recognize with some degree of accuracy, hot dog or not hot dog. And that's just one very particular example, but it's the idea of learning through example is the idea of supervised learning. But there's lots of other kinds of learning where you're not learning by example, right? So another kind is unsupervised learning. And this is learning through discovery, where you give the system a bunch of data, but you don't have it labeled, and you let the system for itself discover patterns within that data. Right. So for example, it could find clusters, like for product recommendations, people who bought tents also bought sleeping bags. Well, it's not somebody actually trained it on that pattern, just discovered those patterns, or it's finding outliers. For example, these are all the transactions that are fine, but this transaction does not seem fine. It could be fraudulent or it could be mm-hmm. some unusual outlier. And so the systems are really good at finding patterns and outliers to those patterns. Right. And that's the unsupervised pattern. But we have another form of learning that we can learn not just through example and by discovery, but we can also learn through... Through reinforcement learning, and that's learning through trial and error. So we think about this. This also is, for people that know our seven patterns of AI, this is our goal-driven pattern of AI. It's really using reinforcement learning. So think about it as a mouse going through a maze and finding the most optimal path. 
through trial and error. It discovers the different paths that are available, and then it finds the most optimal path to get to the end of the maze. You can use this for a lot of different things, you know, resource optimization, things like that. So those are some good examples within reinforcement learning. But so we have supervised, unsupervised, and reinforcement learning. And those are the three, you know, general ways that machine learning systems can learn. So obviously, each of these different learning approaches have things that they're good at. You know, supervised learning is really good for things like recognition and conversation and other patterns that are required training and patterns. And unsupervised learning is good at pattern matching as well as predictive right. analytics. And, you know, reinforcement learning is goal-driven. But there are some challenges, right? The thing about supervised learning is that you need usually lots of examples of data and clean data. Right, and not just data. Good, right. clean, well-labeled garbage data. Garbage in is garbage out, right? In order to, to be trained adequately, especially for some really sophisticated tasks, you need a lot of data, right? There have been moves to reduce that amount of data, but that's mm-hmm. one of the things we'll talk about. Unsupervised learning, on the hand, doesn't necessarily need a lot of well-labeled data, but it still does need a lot of data to find patterns, right? You can't, it's very hard to find patterns, patterns in, three, in sparse right? data. Yeah, <laughs> sparse data is always the problem, or especially if you have you know data that may or may not be clean and you don't necessarily know that because you may be discovering patterns in data that you don't have a lot of visibility in. So one of the interesting thoughts is like, you know, what if we could find ways to train supervised learning systems using less data? Or what if we can combine these learning approaches together? Can we combine unsupervised learning, which is about discovering patterns, with supervised learning to maybe find the patterns before we have to do the supervised learning? That was actually one of the big innovations in deep learning that Jeff Hinton, one of the luminaries in deep learning, found ways to use things like unsupervised learning to speed up deep learning training by basically already finding patterns in the data. It's like it may, if you give it a lot of images of people, it may find that there are patterns in colors and pixel arrangements that can do that. But what about other things that are not so obvious? You know, can we find a way, is there a way to maybe hybrid some of these learning approaches to speed up training time and handle more ambiguity, you know? So these are part of some of the developments and maybe around this idea of one-shot learning and semi-supervised learning. So Let's think about this. Think about the way the brain works. You know, you could be given an example of something, let's say a glass cup. And you know that when you drop that glass cup through some, nobody had to teach you that. You kind of discovered it yourself. Maybe By dropping a glass yeah, cup. Yeah, I mean, the parents might say when you're like a toddler, they say, don't drop that, it'll break. But you're going to drop it anyways, because that's what toddlers do. And then you discover that it breaks. Oopsie, you know, you spilled the cup, right? Now, you're not necessarily, you can learn that. And after a few interactions, you know that if you drops a vase or a bowl full of soup, you will know that those th- you don't need to be trained again. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah. You can generalize. And so it is actually one of the, like, the big desired goal. If you're trying to achieve this big goal of artificial general intelligence, which is building mm-hmm. the one system that can handle any learning task, this idea of not having to be trained on everything is one of those goals, this idea of the theoretical goal of the zero-shot learning, which is that you don't need new training data to learn some new task, right? Right. And, you know, if you think about it like a human, like Ron said, we can master that concept where over time, through experiences, we've now learned and we can apply knowledge that we've had in the past so that we don't have to be specifically trained on that one task to know potential outcomes. And so that's the idea of zero-shot learning. And we're not quite there yet with machine learning approaches, but we have gotten this idea of one-shot learning and researchers are starting to spend more time on this. Right. So 
obviously, you need to start with a base of some learning. It's hard to start with the system that doesn't know anything because you give something one data point, you can't generalize from one data point. That's actually really impossible. <laughs> but there's a class of tasks. If I have enough of a base of learning, then maybe for the next test, for example, let's say I've trained the system to recognize faces, but I haven't trained it to recognize your face. Well, how much data does the system need to have to be able to recognize your face uniquely versus somebody else? Well, clearly a lot of companies that are working in facial recognition are trying to minimize the amount of data that's needed. If I just have your driver's license photo, for example, or some other piece of information, is that sufficient data for the system to be able to then uniquely identify you with a certain amount of confidence among all the data? And that is what a lot of companies have worked towards, especially in facial recognition, this idea of instead of having to give you like 20 different versions of your face from 20 different photos, mm -hmm. can I just use this one example that's the gold standard so I know it's a good version of you, so it's not like a crummy photo, it's a good quality photo, but that may, is that sufficient then to basically further refine the model such that I basically learned that one thing with a very short amount of data? That is one instance of this idea of one-shot learning, but can be useful. And then certain companies out there are working on this as well as research as well. So, you know, companies like IBM are working on this so that they can further minimize data sets to yield the same quality results. Also, Samsung AI Research has developed a system that can produce a fully animated three-dimensional head model from just a two-dimensional image with one-shot learning. Yeah. And so the idea of all this is that, you know, over time, we're going to need smaller and smaller new data sets to be able to learn the same amount of information. That's part of why we're seeing AI development accelerate. Mm -hmm. It's not just that we're getting better at training machine learning systems. It's not just that we have GPUs that are accelerating training time. It's not those are all true, right? Better algorithms. But it's also because we now have these models and we're starting to build on top of the models. You know, Google and Microsoft and Amazon and IBM, these companies have spent millions of dollars, billions of dollars building. Many man hours, lots of money, lots, lots of, of resources, compute. lots of time thinking about this. Yes, lots of compute. And, you know, they've really helped build this field out to what it is today. And now as more and more people want to, you know, jump on the bandwagon and start using AI within their industry or their company, especially if they're mm -hmm. smaller, medium-sized businesses that maybe don't have the, mm -hmm. you know, teams of people or the very deep pockets that some of these larger companies do, how can they go about, mm -hmm. you know, implementing AI? And you might be thinking that, well, isn't one-shot learning and maybe zero-shot learning like a special case of, say, transfer learning? Because you may be familiar right. with transfer learning where it's like you could start with a model. Actually, if you ever listen to Andrew Ng's video on this, he likes to talk about this. Like you start with a model that's been trained on image recognition for a task like cats. And then you can just replace the last layer and you can make it do medical imaging recognition to detect things. And that's true. And as a matter of fact, a lot of this kind of carries from that. But it's not just the deep learning approach to transfer learning. It's the idea of applying even for things like decisions. So for example, researchers at OpenAI have built a system that was able to stack colored blocks in the correct order, even though they may be starting from different positions every time. And it was not just stacking the blocks because it was programmed, but it was basically adapting. It's like, oh, it just knew that didn't matter where the blocks were positioned, it would knew the first time it would get it right the first time. And that's because it like basically was able to apply this one set of learning from all of its base learning 
to problem solve from many different combinations is able to get there. And so you could think of it being used for decision making, like especially for autonomous vehicles. There's no way to train an autonomous vehicle in every possible situation, right? So can you build this thing where it can correctly say, oh, there's a person on a skateboard you know, doing a handstand on a skateboard crossing the street, I probably should not keep driving into that thing because I'm going to guess that's probably a person and that's an obstacle mm. and I shouldn't hit it rather be like, I've never seen that before. You know, yeah. human you run right through it. I guess I should just keep going, <laughs> which is, of course, is what happened I right, know, with, at, Uber. with the Uber incident. Right. So that's like the idea. So you think when if you ever hear the term one shot learning is zero shot learning, it's really this idea of really minimizing the required amount of training data down to basically the ultimate level, which is no training data needed. Right. So we're, we're, we're really so trying. we're working on that. Yeah. The next concept that we want to talk about is semi-supervised learning. And so, you know, what exactly is it and how is it or how can it be applied? So we talked about supervised learning, and this is where, you know, you need labeled training data and the machine is learning by example. And then we talked about unsupervised learning where you don't need the data to be labeled, and but the machine will just, you know, take the data that you have and without it being labeled and it'll figure out for itself patterns. It'll mm -hmm. discover on its own. So what's this idea of semi-supervised learning? So it's obviously a hybrid of the two, right? <laughs> Love it about. So it's like a little bit of well-labeled data, but then it's like the computer can sort of automatically sort of pick up. It's like, okay, maybe you don't need, a, again, it solves the problem. You don't need as much training data because it's like, ah, I can, you give me enough information and, and I will then use unsupervised learning to find the groupings to do it. So basically, semi-supervised learning is basically the idea of using unsupervised learning to help inform the supervised learning process to make either better models or speed up training right. or to minimize training data or, or all those sorts of things, right? Yeah, and according to Google's AI blog, semi-supervised learning may actually be easier with unsupervised data augmentation. So, you know, the thing about supervised learning that we talk about all the time is that it needs good, clean, well-labeled data. Well, the problem is that data, I mean, in an ideal world, right. would come very clean, well-labeled, ready to go. But in practice, it doesn't. And so a lot of data is unusable, and it's very time-consuming slash expensive to actually label your data. So there's shortcuts around that where you can use pre-trained models that already have the data that you need. But if you need your own data as well, there's just no workaround for it. And you're going to need humans and you're going to have to label right. it. So, you know, not everybody has the resources for that. So how can they go about doing things maybe with less labeled data than could otherwise be necessary. And right. so that's why we bring up some of these other concepts, because there are other ways to do things. Yeah. And, and as part of this Google AI example, what they did is they fed the system both labeled and unlabeled data for the mm -hmm. same data set. Mm -hmm. So it could be, once again, image recognition. Next, at, at the blog, there's actually a blog article that we're going to link to in the show, show notes. notes that talks about this thing. And when the system had a piece of labeled data, then it would use that labeled data to train the system with supervised learning. But then when I have a piece of unlabeled data, but it assumed it was good data, it just wasn't wasn't labeled, what it would do is it would produce a prediction. It would say, well, based on kind of what I've been trained so far, here's my prediction of what this could be. And it used a different process. So the AI system would basically sort labeled and unlabeled data and follow a different set of criteria for unlabeled data before comparing it. And then basically it allowed it that training data to still be used to say, okay, I feel even though you didn't label this as a cat, I am like 95% sure this is a cat. So I'm going to use it as labeled data. And then it would take that and then use it as training data. Right. So it's kind of interesting to be like, okay, not only am I making a prediction with it, I'm going to use this 
as further data transistent. Of course, still garbage in is garbage out. If you start feeding in all sorts of random unlabeled <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know. But basically, it's a way of once again saying I can. You can maybe mix a little bit. You don't have to have everything labeled and just kind of as long as you know that the quality is good, you can start doing it. Again, this is a strategy for not needing as much data, higher right. accuracy, all that sort of stuff. And that's part of what we're sharing here. Is just like it's just like there are people working on these solutions to making machine learning much more practical for the typical organization that doesn't have, as you say, a Google amount of data to work with, right? And speaking of Google, just to kind of put things into perspective, because we always say, you know, you need a lot of data. And and then people go, okay, well, what's a lot of data? And we go, well, that depends. And that depends on what pattern you're trying to use AI for. But in an example, with Google's facial recognition software, it utilizes 260 million images, which is a lot of images. So not everybody's going to have that Google size amounts of data. And that's why these different approaches are starting to be talked about more and more. Because how does an organization with not that Google size amount of data still use facial recognition technology? Yeah, so this all builds on some of our predictions for 2020. So you should go back and listen to our predictions for how we see this year going. But we see two of the biggest trends we're we're seeing for 2020 is one, the growth of something called MLOps, which is machine learning operations, which is that we're moving from people focusing on building models to using models, other people's models, or maybe your own models. But basically, it's a consumption-centric. And when you're focused on using models, you're worried about other things. What's, how, what's the quality? You know, how do I, what's the versioning? You know, security, all this stuff that you may not be worried about if you're building it yourself, right? The other thing is that is that the model as a service, which is actually just a different version of that, which is that companies and organizations who are coming out setting, hey, we have models that are available for use. And all this is pointing to the fact that we're kind of in this phase of the market now where companies want to use AI and machine learning, but they don't have the resources to be like the early entrants, the early folks to invest their own time and money in building these models from scratch. So this accelerates everything. This is part of the one-shot learning, the transfer learning, the semi-supervisor All this stuff is focused on how do you help companies who may have very specific needs that are just slightly different than yours take full advantage of machine learning and artificial intelligence without having to basically hire a huge data science team, get 260 million images, label 260 million. Spend a lot of money and time. Yeah. And then then focus on training it. And I think this is a good, this is part of those signs that show that we're starting in this more mature phase of artificial intelligence and machine learning. Right. So, you know, as always, we'll be keeping an eye on this. And listeners, we encourage you to reach out to us to see if, you know, you've been hearing things about this, if you have anything to add to the conversation, or if your organization or agency is using this as well. And if you've been listening to this podcast, we would appreciate it if you could rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. 
This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.